In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This past week has been one rife with upset and upheaval. One must only turn on the news or listen to broadcasts on the radio or podcasts to know that things are not right with this world. Much of it has to do with the conflict and war in Ukraine, with the invasion of Russian troops. The first time a sovereign nation in Europe has been invaded by another nation since the end of the Second World War. With all the things that seem to be going wrong in the world, we find ourselves contemplating what the right answers are. This week, I spent some time on the road between my home and San Antonio, and there were several trips back and forth from Beeville to here, and I would listen to the news or listen to the history of some of the situations that are breaking and thinking for long periods of time about what has gone wrong. In 1945, when the United Nations was founded, it seemed reasonable and prudent to place the USSR on the United Nations Security Council as a permanent member, alongside China, France, the United Kingdom, and the United States. This week, I found myself wondering if Russia should be taken off that council since they carry veto weight in condemning actions that they are directly involved in. And it's things like that that all of our minds maybe wander and sometimes daydream about when we consider what this world might look like, what it can look like, what it could look like, if everything was set right, if everything were made perfect. And sometimes, maybe not as often as any of us should, sometimes we might even ask the question, what does Jesus have to say about all of this? Then, almost as this, the guidance of the Holy Spirit is taking root, we have a lesson like this. The transfiguration of Christ on Mount Tabor. That draws us into reality as it is. And we see clearly, though still confused, we learn something about who Jesus really is. Part of the danger, though, is that we sometimes try to overanalyze the story and turn it into some sort of science fiction narrative. A few years ago, I remember a priest wondering if the transfiguration of Jesus was connected to the giving of the law on Mount Sinai and the storm, also on Sinai, several hundred years later, when Elijah were linked into some sort of universe, time-altering bending of the fabric of space and time, like a celestial or spiritual time travel linking of the past and the present together and it's an interesting theory and it's a rather creative answer but it's not very helpful today i'm afraid what often occurs and i too am guilty of this is that we talk about what happens to jesus jesus appearance is changed jesus is engulfed by dazzling and brilliant light 
What we sometimes get caught up in is this change to Jesus. And we wonder and we marvel at it until I think it dominates the story. But perhaps instead of talking about something happening to Jesus, perhaps we miss something that is terribly obvious. I wonder if we are only then glimpsing Jesus as he truly is. His true nature prior to the incarnation and his birth. And what he looks like now in glory. The transfiguration of Jesus becomes for the disciples and for us a moment in time to recognize the reality of who Jesus is. Now, if that is truly the case, and our collect for today seems to agree with that sentiment, then what does that have to do with anything that is happening right now? What does Jesus' transfiguration have to say about the suffering of the people in Ukraine? What does Jesus being revealed in glory prior to his crucifixion have to do with the hungry and the homeless? What does Jesus appearing to his disciples on the mountain, having a dialogue with Moses and Elijah, why does all of this point people who are dying of sickness and accidents and old age and why does it tell us to hang on to hope? Well, before we answer those questions, we need to step back and remember something about us. First, we are made in the image of God. And we are called to reflect the glory of God back to God, like a mirror. If we are made to be like God, to look like God, then we look to God. We look to Jesus to see who we truly are and how we are to behave and how we are to respond. Secondly, if we say that we follow Jesus, we follow the Messiah King, then we must ask, ought not all Christians begin to act like Jesus and do the things that Jesus would do in every situation and ask the question, what would Jesus have me do in this moment? So, where is the glory of God? Is it on that mountain? Well, not right now, not in the ways we might be talking about. There is no perpetual bright light on the mountain. So then, where is the glory of God? The glory of Jesus in his divinity? For starters, it's right here at St. Christopher's on two Tuesdays a month when we open up our doors for a food pantry and freely give away food to those who truly need it. And the glory of God shines in that work. Now, there is no bright light, and the workers don't shine and dazzle like the sun. 
But those who come here week after week experience the glory of God, the love of Christ. And right here, we begin to transfigure this world. Let us go back to the Ukraine for a few moments. War is raging. Civilians, people who are innocent and are non-combatants, are purposely being targeted by Russian bombs and missiles. People, some soldiers, others nothing more than mere children, are being killed and severely injured. BBC News reported this morning that it appears that a number of ambulances that have been dispatched to aid the non-combatants have come under Russian missile attacks. This is not a just war. This is something else, more likely a power grab by one country thinking the other might be rather weak. But the glory of God is there. It is present. Where, you might ask? Yesterday afternoon, I saw a picture of a residential neighborhood, much like the one that we are surrounded by, with a tank in the middle of the street. And the residents had formed a line and prevented that tank from moving further down the street. The picture I saw did not show anyone with a rifle or even a pistol. It was simply a neighborhood coming together to protect each other in a non-violent way. It reminded me of Tiananmen Square. And there are the pictures of people in parks around the Ukraine, many of them covered in snow, kneeling in prayer outside. There is the video of a small child laughing and playing with his father as he sits in a stroller in the metro station, unaware of the danger that is just a few meters away. There is the opening of the Polish border to welcome in several hundred thousand refugees who are fleeing and reports of people opening their homes to people who may very well lose their homes and lose everything that they have in this combat. This morning I heard reports that many Poles are driving Ukrainians across Poland, across their country, for free, and are helping them find family members who live there, or finding them lodging that is open to them. And this, this is where Jesus is, standing in the gulf with Christians and Jews working together to care for people and to prevent violence. Russia has reportedly said that the resistance they are meeting is more fierce than they anticipated. I say to you that this is what Christ's love looks like and this is what transfigures the world. Powers, dominions, principalities, none of them can stand for long before the power of Christ's love. And this 
What we see happening beyond the war, this is what the glory of God looks like. Our blessed Lord was transfigured on the holy mountain and revealed a glimpse of his glory to saints Peter, James, and John. But Christ's truest glory was when he, taking on our own flesh, hid his glory from our eyes and came to be among us. And the greatest glory he showed was not on Mount Tabor, but rather on Mount Calvary, when the cross became the throne of the Son of God, redeeming this world in his cross, his passion, and his resurrection. Glory is not always about bright light, dazzling clothes, and voices from heaven. Oftentimes, the glory of God looks like an innocent man dying on a cross for the sins of the world. The glory of God looks like Christians caring for those who can no longer care for themselves. The glory of God looks like people in the Ukraine who, despite all they are going through, are helping each other, loving each other, and praying for and with each other. And the glory of God is right here, too. Each Wednesday evening, I ask our group that meets to recall a time in the week when they have seen God in action and at work in their lives and to share it with us. And the lesson to draw from that, what we all must learn, is to actively look for God's working in this world because it is all around us. Let us work to transfigure this world into the glorious kingdom of Christ. Some of it is tangible things, giving out food, helping with rent, giving someone a ride. Much, too, can be done by prayer. Each of us can commit to actually spending time in prayer. And as Lent approaches, I challenge each of you to spend just five minutes in prayer, in deep prayer each day. The first of the month is Tuesday. Consider grabbing a prayer book. And pray in the Psalms each day. You will see that there are Psalms appointed for each day, beginning with Psalm 1 on the first day of the month. And until you reach the end on the 30th day, you will reach Psalm 150. And you can read all 150 Psalms in the course of one month. It only takes a few minutes each day. If you can watch football or basketball for hours on end, if you can veg out in front of your television with mundane and tawdry shows, binge-watching episodes after episodes, if you can piddle about all day, not really doing anything, 
but trying to act busy, then you can take five minutes and pray and read the scriptures. If we, just this parish alone, committed to that, imagine what God might reveal to us and how God might use us. And perhaps we will see what a transfigured world might look like. What a world charged with the glory of Christ might look like. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, come to us. Come to us in your glory. Fill our hearts with the desire to do your will, to show forth your glory in this world. Come, Holy Spirit, and inspire us to seek out the glory of God in this place. Help us transfigure this world into the glorious kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.